Luckily, this passage this morning preaches itself. And because you just heard the first Christian sermon ever recorded, I need not preach too long this morning. Because who would ever use Peter as an opening act? But today we celebrate the day of Pentecost. On Pentecost, as we read in Acts 2, Luke describes for us the great act of Jesus Christ baptizing his apostles by pouring the Holy Spirit upon them. Then those apostles who heard and believed the gospel preached so that others could hear and believe the gospel. There are many different implications of this great act of redemptive history, but most of them we will not look at this morning. Yet, as Brian Vickers explains in his commentary, on this one day of the Jewish calendar, everyone was in Jerusalem celebrating the Feast of Weeks. It was a one-day festival celebrating God's great blessing of giving in the covenant at Sinai. This celebration came 50 days after the Passover. The Passover, as you remember, celebrated and commemorated the coming of the angel of the Lord as the last sign of God that Egypt received. And on that night, all were told to spread the blood of a lamb, sacrificed over their doorposts. And the angel of the Lord, seeing the blood, would pass over that house. But if that house did not have the blood of the lamb, that house would undergo God's great judgment as he took their firstborn. Obstinate Egypt did not act on faith. They did not listen to the words of Aaron and Moses, and Pharaoh avoided. Pharaoh avoided his own life, but lost the son, his firstborn son. Fifty days later, Israel was at Sinai, receiving God's covenant law through the mediation of Moses. They were told that on entering the land, they should keep this feast to celebrate the great work of God by bringing their first fruits of the harvest of wheat. Bring it before God. And this offering would be a representation of the hope of the coming harvest that they were receiving because God had redeemed them out of Egypt. This feast is inseparably tied to the Passover. The Feast of Weeks was not a celebration of God's blessing by itself. It only occurred because first God had redeemed them out of Egypt. In celebrated Pentecost, which comes 50 days after Easter, the church also celebrates its gratitude, the first fruits of Christ in the pouring out of his Spirit fulfilling his promise that he gave his disciples in John chapter 14 of sending another counselor, of sending a helper. At Pentecost, we are celebrating this day. For it was the last day of the new, or it was the first day of the new era. The era of the Spirit who applied to his people the spotless blood of the Lamb of God. 
who was crucified for the sins of his people. This was the sacrifice to end all sacrifices. Redemption from Egypt and the Passover prepared God's people for a greater redemption and the second Passover. Pentecost points us to Jesus, something greater. And this morning, I want us to see three things about from Acts 2. I want us to see that Pentecost was performed, that Pentecost was preached, and that Pentecost had a party. Before we do that, let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father, be with us this morning. Open our blind eyes. Open our deaf ears. Cause us to see you as we see the light in this room. For Lord, we are a needy people. Yet we come together and we celebrate. We celebrate the great blessings that you have given us in Christ as we celebrated the baptism of Wallace Ford Wilson this morning. Lord, you have been faithful to us even though we are unfaithful. Lord, you have kept your promises to us even though we do not keep our promises to you. Lord, we call upon your name this morning. We asked that you continue to act according to your mercy and provide healing for those who are sick. We lift up John Michael. We lift up Jonathan Pence. We lift up Peggy Bauer. Lord, we thank you for your answer of prayer that Karen Anderson is with us this morning. Lord, we pray for this community. Lord, may this community hear the word of the gospel preached and may you cut them to their hearts so that they might follow after you by faith. We pray for our country. Lord, as Ron prayed earlier, we, we thank you. We thank you for those who served and gave their life for this country. We pray for the leaders of this country. We pray for those who you have placed over us. May we be respectful. May we pray for them. May you lead them. May they represent Jesus through seeking justice and mercy. Lord, please, please enable your people to take your word to the nations. May we fulfill our covenant obligation. We have what is necessary, for you have given it to us. Please fill Alan and Ann Cochet. May they preach the word and bring sinners to life. We ask this in the name of Christ. And we pray as you taught us to pray.
our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. There's a funny thing that happens around Christmas time or birthday parties with families of children. And this typically only happens when you have small children, is that you, you buy these children more gifts than the, the, they could actually ever play with. But not only do we buy them gifts, but we wrap these gifts in extraordinary and extravagant ways. And we put them in these, these boxes and we wrap them with paper or we put just enormous bows on them if they're too big to go into a box. And we give these presents to our children to show them that we love them. But then this funny thing happens. They go to the, to the box, they rip off the paper, and they open the box, and they, they hold this brand new gift, this gift that represents our love for them. But what happens? They put the gift down, and then they play with the box. <laughs> right? I don't know how many times my room has not been filled with brand new toys, but it's been filled with forts made out of the boxes that they came in. All the attention of our children are focused on what the present came in. And unfortunately, when we come to Acts 2, this happens to us also. Unfortunately, we come to Acts 2 and we hear of these marvelous signs and wonders that God has brought upon his apostles. And we focus on things like verse 2 that says, There came from heaven a sound like the mighty rush of wind, and it filled the entire house. Or we hear of these divided tongues that came as fire and rested on each of them. Or later in verse 12, we, we read that there was an amazement and perplexion of everyone saying, What does all of this mean? But what happens what happens is we, we have all these volumes of book written about what, what's going on. But what happens is that we're looking at the box and not the present. These texts are important. There need to be books written about them. But what is important in this passage is not the box. It's the spirit. It's that the Holy Spirit was poured upon the apostles just as Jesus said he would. It's that the Spirit being poured out upon the apostles and then the apostles speaking about the gospel of Jesus. Because with these miraculous signs and wonders, however miraculous and spectacular the sign is, the sign is not the point. It's what the sign points to. And we saw this last week, right? Jesus washing his disciples' feet. And Peter was so focused on the washing, he missed what the washing 
pointed him to. We love the dramatic. We love the unusual or the irregular things in life. But the main thing, the main focus of this passage, what Luke is trying to communicate is not the miraculous of the signs. It's the work of God through Jesus Christ. The whole purpose of the Holy Spirit coming was to point to Jesus and what he accomplished on the cross. Just like the Feast of Weeks was a celebration not only of the first fruit, but pointed the people back to the Passover. This Pentecost, this coming of the Holy Spirit should focus and point us to the once-for-all death and resurrection, Easter Sunday of Jesus Christ. It was that day in history God fulfilled all of his promises to his people. It was on that day in history that God proved himself as the faithful one. Because throughout the Old Testament, he gave us promises. Throughout Jesus' life, he gave his disciples promises. And on this day, he fulfills all of those promises. And I'm going to be honest with you. Blake did an awesome job of naming all of these different places, as he always does. It's not hazing. It's just, it's just the word. I don't care about the languages. Because the languages isn't the point. The point is what was said. This is what was said. Both Jews and proselytes, Christians and Arabians, we hear them telling in our languages the mighty works of God. The mighty works of God was proclaimed. The gospel was preached. This is the undoing of Babel. We can read in Genesis 11, the people gathered as one nation with one tongue. And what did they do? They tried to build a tower up into the heavens. And God confused them and scattered them across the world. And here we have Men devout from every nation under heaven, speaking in multiple different languages. And what happens? The redoing of what had been undone. Rather than man trying to seek a way into heaven, what do we read? The Spirit suddenly came from heaven to them just as Jesus had came to heaven for us. Because in us, we have this innate sense, we have to somehow get ourselves to heaven, and God says, that is not how it works. I will come to you. Here in Acts 2, God comes to his apostles. He provided a way into heaven. His name was Jesus. And he used words. He used the language of these people to proclaim to them what he had done. 
Because he was not only undoing what was done in Babel, he was undoing what happened in the garden. Where the people were cast out of the presence of God because here at Pentecost, God comes and dwells with his people once again. Why? Because of Jesus. God is dwelling with his people once again through the mediation of Jesus Christ, the second and the better Adam. And our question for us this morning is, are we looking for boxes? Are we getting too wrapped up into the signs, into the doing, into the what in the world are we supposed to do to get to heaven rather than focusing on the once-for-all act of Jesus Christ, that he came to us. There's nothing for us to do except believe by faith. It's not dependent upon what we have accomplished. It's dependent upon what he accomplished on our behalf. It isn't Oh, I need to pray or God will be displeased with me. It isn't, I should read my Bible because if I don't, God won't bless me. It isn't, I should have my child baptized because I want God to bless him. These are all great things. But the only thing we need to do is to look to Jesus who came down from heaven. It was this day in history, Pentecost was performed, and God gave us a sign and a seal of his covenant promises. He did what he said he would do. He was who he said he was, and he was going to do what he promised he was going to do. He gave them the power to proclaim the gospel and draw the nations to himself. Pentecost was performed to show the great and mighty acts of God in Jesus Christ. Do you know how I know that's true? Verses 14 to 36. Peter's sermon, Pentecost preached. Because what happens? The people were amazed and perplexed. They didn't know what was going on. And so they gave the only rationalistic and natural explanation. They gave the the same explanation anybody in Fayette County would do if they saw this. They started drinking too early. (laughs) And this is where we see Peter step into this confusion of of the lives of these people. And by the power of the Spirit, he preaches. Through the power of the Spirit, of the third person of the Trinity, he steps into this chaos. And the Spirit provides structure. The Spirit provides words. The Spirit preaches the gospel. Verses 14 to 15. He says, men of Judea. All who dwell in Jerusalem, let it be known to you and give ear to these words. For the people are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. 
and he preaches that Pentecost was promised beforehand, that it was proclaimed by David and it was prefigured in the coming Messiah. Peter preaches this Pentecost was promised through Joel. He quotes here in verses 17 through 21, Joel 2, 28 to 32, but he actually does change something. Because Joel 2, 28 says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour my spirit on all flesh. But here, Peter says, And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour my spirit upon all flesh. Peter, through the Holy Spirit, is announcing and interpreting Old Testament scripture. This day is now. The spirit is descending upon God's people. Guess what? God has been faithful to his word. For God says, I will pour my spirit on all flesh. And it happened. And what else did God declare? And they shall prophesy. And here, we, need, we might need a little bit of help. Because Typically, as Sinclair Ferguson says, the concept of prophecy to us is based so much on this fascination of the predictive future. But prophecy is much, much more than just predicted future. Because this would mean that the prophets, when they were preaching, had no ethical standard for Israel. But the prophets themselves actually saw themselves as servants of God, vehicles from whom God spoke. Their message was unoriginal to themselves. They considered themselves to occupy a divinely appointed office to correcting what was, be, what was being done. They also understood what they were saying. And here is a glimpse. Here is a picture of what a prophet actually does. They tell the people of God that the Lord, what the Lord God has done for them because he loves for them. He calls them back to faithful obedience to the covenant in light of what God has done for them. He proclaims the covenant blessings. This will happen if you are faithful to the covenant. And he also proclaims covenant curses. This will happen if you do not be if you are not faithful. And then they tell of what the Lord will do to prove that he is God. And this is exactly what we see here. What is people what is Peter doing? He's telling the people of what the Lord has done. He's calling them to faithfulness. He's telling them what will happen if they do not turn and are faithful to God's covenant. And he's telling them what God will do to prove that he is God. The Holy Spirit, through Peter, is proclaiming that the Lord has done all things in Christ because he loves his people. And he's calling them to faithful obedience. That's 99% of Old Testament prophecy. God loves you. You are being faithless. Return 
and receive God's blessing. That sounds like a pretty good sermon, right? God loves you. Return to the covenant and be faithful to him. And what else does Joel predict? That there will be mighty wonders. Fire, blood, vapor, smoke, darkness, moon. For the day of the Lord is coming and that day happened at the cross of Christ. And then listen to what he says. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus, delivered up according to the divine plan and foreknowledge of God. This is, this is what's going to be hard to read. This Jesus, this one that you all were supposed to be looking for, when he came to you to proclaim the love of God, to call you to return from your sins, and to follow after him in faithfulness, this is what they did. You crucified and killed him by the hands of lawless men. And guess what? That could have been the end of the story. But then we read, God raised him up losing the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. You know how I know Pentecost isn't about the Holy Spirit? Because at Pentecost, all Peter did was point to Jesus. What Joel prophesied, what Joel promised, it happened, and it happened in Jesus. Don't miss Jesus. And it wasn't only Joel that predicted this or foretold of this. For Peter also quotes Psalm 16 and Psalm 110. David also said that this would happen, that this holy one of God, this Psalm 16, is about somebody who sought God, who professed faith in God, and whose only confidence in the entire world that he would be okay was that he was in the presence of God. is of a person who trusts in the Lord and who rejoices in God's promise. It's about a person who has the knowledge of the path of life through the covenant of God. It is a person who will receive God's covenant blessing, not covenant cursing. And the person who did this perfectly was Jesus. And Peter doesn't stop there. Then he quotes Psalm 110 to prove his point. Jesus is the Messiah of God, David's Lord. And then what does people say? Then what does Peter say in Acts verse 36, 2, verse 36? Let all the house of Israel know for certain. This is the third time he's addressed the crowd. In verse 14, he addresses them as men of Judea. In verse 22, he addresses them as men of Israel. And here he says, all the house of Israel. And much like Stephen will preach in Acts chapter 7, Peter does what every good preacher does. He points them to Jesus. He connects the reality of what God has done through Christ. And he calls them to Jesus. 
this one whom you waited for. Believe in him. And what do the people do? The people do exactly what we are to do when we hear the gospel. They heard this and they were cut to the heart. And they responded, Peter, what do we need to do? And this is what Peter tells them. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Because without Jesus, you are still in your sin. Without Jesus, you have no hope. Without Jesus, you will receive the covenant curses. Repent. Repentance unto life is a saving grace. It's where a sinner, out of their true sense of their sin, an apprehension of the justice and mercy of God in Christ, with grief, hates his sin and turns around and goes the other way and turns and follows after Jesus with full purpose and endeavor to follow him. By faith. This Christian covenantal obedience is for you and your household. It's the same promise of God that was given to Abraham. It's the same promise of God given to Moses. It's the same promise we see in Jesus. Jesus bore the wrath of our sin. Follow after Jesus. And guess what? It was a good day. Because they did. It said they received the word. They received the covenant promises of God and Jesus. And they turned and they were baptized. And thousands were added that day. And they received the promised Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? He blessed them for what he had done. He doesn't curse us. He didn't curse them as they deserved. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are unworthy because of your sin. But Jesus has secured a way to heaven for you. Pentecost was performed, Pentecost was preached, and then we see a Pentecost party, verses 37 through 47. We see these people. What do they do? What do they do after they receive these promises? They devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. This is what gospel life looks like. People who are dependent upon the apostolic authority that Jesus was who he said he was. People that have received the word. People that gather in fellowship because they know this life is too hard alone. 
they gathered to celebrate the sacraments, to be assured, to receive God's blessing in physical form so that they could follow after Jesus. They went to church not to earn God's love. They went to church to hear about God's love. They prayed together not to earn God's love because God had told them that he would hear them. Notice in this entire passage, Peter never tries to prove anything. All Peter does is proclaim the truth of what happened, what the scriptures bore witness to, and what had come in the person and the work of Jesus Christ and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. Christ Presbyterian Church, listen to me. These promises are for you and for your children. Repent and believe in the word of God. For that is the only place you will find life. Amen. As we come to the table, please turn in your Trinity hymnals to the Nicene Creed on page 